hello and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. And uh, I'm super happy to be here. I'm happy you're here. I'm excited to see what God is going to do tonight. Um, and, and before we get into Ruth, which is where we've been for the last few weeks, I wanted to just kind of share something with you that I was reminded of this week, and it's, it's crazy powerful. Um, one of the guys who disciples me, is a, he's a really good friend of mine, his name is CT, and he has this saying that as followers of Jesus, we live from grace, not towards it. We live from grace, not towards it. So what that means, if, if you are a follower of Jesus, you don't have to try to earn grace every day, right? You don't have to wake up and, and go get it. You don't have to earn his love. You don't have to earn his acceptance. Like, you are enough. And we wake up every day, and, and we, we live from that perspective, and we live from that truth. We live from grace, man. And that's the most freeing thing I think we could come to, to understand. And I don't think we could ever come to comprehend it all the way, but... I mean, we live from grace, and we're enough when we wake up every morning. Like, that's so beautiful. Because let's be honest, we are way too hard on ourselves. Are we not? Way too much pressure on ourselves. We, we, it, we, we just fall into thinking it's on us, but it's not. And so I just wanted to share that with you and, and just let you know that God is proud of you. He's proud of you, and he loves you, right? You're, just keep going. You're doing all right, all right? You're doing all right. God loves you, uh, and let's just live from grace. Sound good? All right, um, let's go. Ruth chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 12 uh, is where we're going to be tonight. And just to give you just a little bit of context before we read this scripture, um, Ruth and Boaz, they, they've, they've had that conversation in chapter 3. And Boaz has told Ruth that he is willing to be her kinsman redeemer, right? So, so that's where we're at. Ruth goes back and tells her mother-in-law, Naomi, And then we're going to pick up in chapter 4, starting in verse 1. It's on the screen for you out of the NLT. says this in verse 1. Boaz went to the town gate, and he took a seat there. Just then, the family redeemer he had mentioned came by, so Boaz called out to him, Come over here and sit down, friend. I want to talk to you. So they sat down together, and then Boaz called ten leaders from the town and asked them to sit as witnesses. And Boaz said to the family redeemer, you know Naomi, who came back from Moab. She is selling the land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. What a name, Elimelech. You hear what I'm saying? I thought I should speak to you, he says, about it so that you can redeem it if you wish. If you want the land, then buy it here in the presence of these witnesses. But if you don't want it, let me know right away, because I am next in line to redeem it after you. The man replied, all right. I'll redeem it. Then Boaz told them, I love how Boaz kind of like kept this in the back and then brought it out, right? And he says, then, I, then Boaz told them, of course, if you purchase this land from Naomi, you also require, it also requires that you marry Ruth, the Moabite widow. Like that's some info you want beforehand. That way she can have children who will carry on her husband's name and keep the land in the family. Then I can't redeem it, the family redeemer said because this might endanger my own estate. You redeem the land. I cannot do it. 
Now in those days, it was custom in Israel for anyone transferring a right of purchase to remove his sandal and hand it to the other party. This publicly validated the transaction. So the other family redeemer drew off his sandal as he said to Boaz, you buy the land. This is things I think about when I read the Bible. Like, I read stuff like this, and I'm just so thankful I was born in the time period that I'm in. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wouldn't have made it back here, y'all. Like, I need AC and a car, toilets. Like, I don't want nobody else's shoe. They can ha- like, y'all keep my shoes, you keep your shoes, we'll shake hands, it's all good. You know what I'm saying? That's stuff that I think about when I read. Um, in verse 9, then Boaz said to the elders and to the crowd standing around, you are witnesses that today I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. And with the land I have acquired Ruth, the Moabite widow of Malon, to be my wife. This way she can have a son to carry on the family name of her dead husband and to inherit the family property here in his hometown. You are all witnesses today. Then the elders and all the people standing in the gate replied, We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, from whom all the nation of Israel descended. May you prosper in Ephrathah, I don't know how to say that word, and be famous in Bethlehem. And may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman who will be like those ancestors of Perez, the son of Tamar and Judah. That's a long 12 verses, man. It's good stuff, though. <laughs> it's good stuff. Uh, the title of this message today is called Moments. It's called Moments. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, um, I just I thank you so much for your love, and I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your goodness and your kindness. And Father, I thank you that we woke up this morning, and we were already enough. We were already loved. We are already forgiven. We were already free. God, I pray that 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 is a truth that you tattoo on our hearts so we never forget it. God, I pray that that we could explore your love and, God, that that tonight you would teach us what you want to. Lord, I pray that as as everybody in here, we all got things going on, that, God, you would give us just a breath of fresh air, a moment to listen for your voice, Father God, because we know that you have something for us tonight. God, I pray um, just for myself, as I know I can't do this without you, and I'm not going to try to. But, Lord, I will abide. I will remain in you. And I just ask that every word that comes from my mouth would be of you, that when words would fill me, you would speak. Because, God, you know what we need to hear. I don't. And so, Lord, I just pray that your will is done tonight and that we can have a lot of fun as we hang out in your word. God, I love you, and I thank you, and I ask this in your precious name. Amen. 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 All right. So I got uh, something to admit to you all tonight. Uh, earlier this week, I watched my first ever Hallmark Christmas movie. And I'll be honest with you, it wasn't that bad. It was kind of funny. I kind of enjoyed it. I didn't watch it by myself, by the way. My, I watched it with my wife. Uh, she loves them, therefore I love them. You know what I'm talking about? So we watched this, this movie, and, and it really, it, it, was, it was good. I enjoyed it. Um, and, and it's just, this is the only Hallmark movie I've ever seen. I imagine they're all kind of alike. Um, it was kind of predictable, just to be honest with you. And I'm watching it, and there's this girl. She moves to a Christmas town. You know what I'm saying? I don't know where they got those at. Uh, moves to Christmas town, and she meets this guy. She's single. He's single. She came from a foster care system. He's like this amazing dude fostering this kid. And you're watching the movie, and you're like, all right, I see where this is going. <laughs> right? I see this. But you still got to watch it. And so we're watching it, and 
you know, the story goes, and she had an ex-boyfriend. He was kind of a bum, and he kind of added some ripples, but not really. And then you know it comes. There's the moment where the Christmas tree is lit, everybody's singing joy to the world, and the girl and the guy get together, and you're just like, oh, I saw that coming the whole time. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if all Hallmark movies are like that, but I would imagine. <laughs> I'd imagine most of them are. Uh, but as I watched that movie, and then I'm studying Ruth, and, and I was kind of like, yo, I think Hallmark ripped off Ruth. Because I'm looking at it, and I'm like, okay, Ruth, she's single. She comes back. She needs somebody to redeem her. She ends up in Boaz's field, who is her relative, who can be her kinsman redeemer. Like, we all saw where this was going, right? And then in the same way, like, the Hallmark movie had the big moment. Ruth kind of has the big moment, and that's what we read tonight, right? It's like the climax of the story where Boaz steps in, and he, he, he becomes the family redeemer. And so for me, after my uh, Hallmark experience and then reading Ruth again, I wasn't shocked by that, right? I wasn't shocked that, that Ruth and Boaz end up together. I, I just I kind of saw it coming. And there was something else that I saw coming as I read chapter 4, as, as I saw Boaz, and, and I wasn't surprised or shocked at all by the way he went about that situation. Because Boaz, he, he steps into that really big moment, and he does so with honor, and he does so with integrity. And although he wanted Ruth, right, like we can read that, he, he, had, he had it bad for Ruth, right? And he, he steps into that moment, and he, he does it with honor, and he does it with integrity, which that's not shocking, and here's why. Because we know who Boaz is. Because as you read Ruth, you just see all of these little moments of Boaz showing us what kind of man he is. We know what kind of man he is because we see how he talks to his harvest workers and how they speak back to him. We see that as he goes out to his fields, he, he takes interest and concern in a foreigner. And, and he sees this foreigner, and her name is Ruth, and, and he, he just he loves on her. Right. He loves on her. He, he treats her well. He protects her. He he takes care of her. He goes above. He goes above and beyond anything that was required of him. And he takes care of Ruth. And not only does he take care of Ruth, but he takes care of her mother in law as well. So we just we're seeing who Boaz is in all of these little moments. We get to chapter three and we see how Boaz is just responsible and careful and wise and taking care of Ruth's reputation and his own reputation. And it's a real small sentence in the end of chapter 3 that Naomi says about Boaz, but it speaks volumes. Naomi, after Ruth comes back and, and Ruth tells him about the conversation they had about him redeeming, Naomi tells Ruth, this man is not going to rest until he gets this settled. Which is just saying, Ruth, he's not going to make you wait. He's not going to make you worry. He's not going to make you question or be concerned or sit here anxious. He's going to go do what he said he was going to do. So as we build up to this really big moment in Ruth, we see Boaz, and he's just the same dude he's been the whole time, right? Same dude that he's been the whole time. There's no crazy act of, of heroism. There's no insane change in his personality or his character. He's just the same dude he's been the whole time. And, and he, he goes about this situation the way he was supposed to. He goes about it with integrity. He goes about it with honor. And this is a little bit underrated, in my opinion. Boaz has a lot of faith in this situation, right? Because the other dude, all he had to say was yes. And Ruth was his and the land was his. Now, that would have been a zag. 
if the other dude would have took Ruth, I would have said, I didn't see that one coming. You know what I'm saying? No, it's not Hallmarkish. But what we see, Boaz, he, he, he goes with integrity and character and honor, and he, he, he gives it up to God and says, God, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'll leave the rest up to you. And then God works the situation as it was supposed to go. And you see, there's a lesson that we need to learn here. And that is this, that character, it's often revealed in the smallest of moments. And the big moments only magnify who we really are. Our character, it's revealed in the smallest of moments. In the big moments, they just magnify who we are. Now, as Christians, this is, is crucial for us to understand. It's crucial for us to understand, and, and it has a lesson that we really need to pay attention to. And what this teaches us is that we got to pay more attention. We got to pay attention to the way that we treat people. We got to pay attention to the way that we talk about people, the things we say about people, the things that we say to people. And although those moments seem so small, little moments add up. And you see, we got to pay attention and we got to look for small moments where we can step in and be an expression of Jesus's love to the people around us. Because those, those small moments, they lead to big moments. Small moments, you know what they lead to? Gospel conversations. Small moments lead to somebody coming to you because they know you care about them, because they know you love them, because they've seen the way you treat. And they come to you because they feel like you're the only person they can talk to. They feel like somebody, they feel like you're somebody that, that won't judge them and that will hear them out. Right. Small moments lead to deep relationships. Right. Small moments lead to, to people opening up about their past, about their anxiety, about their worry, about their depression. Amen. Small moments don't always stay small. Right. And so we have to pay attention to small moments. Amen. We have to pay attention. And this is the thing we, we, we often forget. What may be a small moment to us might not be a small moment to somebody else because you never know what somebody's going through. You never know what somebody's going through. You can never underestimate holding the door open for somebody or giving them a compliment or saying hi to them or asking how somebody's doing. You can never under because you don't know. I, I think about Ruth and, and she lost a husband, too. You know what I'm saying? We talk about Naomi losing her husband. Ruth lost a husband, too. And then she comes living in this foreign land and she's out there in the field trying to provide for herself and her mother-in-law. Like that had to be hard, man. That had to be hard. And then here Boaz comes just with a kind word, right? Taking care of her, hooking her up a little bit. Like there's no way Boaz kept Ruth going there. There's no doubt. Ruth was a human. We, we can relate to struggle, right? And how a kind word, how a gesture, how, how some love will keep us going. You, you never know you never know what somebody's going through. And we see in Boaz, as he takes care of Ruth in these small moments, it opens up the door for the really big moment, right? The moment where the life change really, really happened. It's amazing. We, we got to pay attention to small moments. And I want to show you another example of this in, in, in John um, chapter 4. And, and this, is what, this is what it says. This is the really big moment in the story. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village, so he stayed for two days. Long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. 
Then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you have told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. No bigger moment can happen in any person's life than when they come to understand who Jesus really is. No bigger moment. And you know how they get to this big moment? Jesus asked somebody for a drink of water. He asked somebody for a drink of water. He asked a woman for a drink of water, and then he, he was very intentional about it, right? If you read the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well, he, he, he's intentional, and he loves on her, and he, he begins to reveal who he is to her. But it all started with something that seemed so insignificant, asking for some water. We got to pay attention to small moments, my friends. We got to pay attention to small moments because small moments lead to big moments. And this is the thing. When you step into small moments with love and you step into small moments with intentionality, God will take those moments and change people's lives. But we got to step into those small moments. And this is the thing about them. They're small. You don't got to be a pastor or a professional to love somebody. You don't got to be. And and so often, man, we, we like, oh. We kind of psych ourselves out like, all right, I got to give this dude my whole testimony right now. And we start sweating and then he's sweating and it's just like, no, like just, just love on this person. Amen. Just step in, care for him, show him that, that he matters. And, and don't get me wrong. There's times where the spirit might hit you and it's go time, right? To lay it all out there. He does that too. But more often than not, what is our days filled with? Small moments, small moments. That's what we got to pay attention to. And, and this is where our character comes into play in that. Like I said, small moments reveal our character. People will see who we are in small moments so they know who they can count on on big moments. Right? So pay attention. Step into moments with love and intentionality and care. And, and, and just don't put too much pressure on yourself, man. Just love people. Everybody can do it. Right? Everybody can do it. It's, it's easy money. It's easy money. I will say this, though. People are messy. If you came and tried to help me, it'd get messy, right? So just be prepared for that, but that's where God's going to help you. But start with the small moments. Um, so, so that's something that, man, I, I read the book of Ruth, and, and I, I just see that in Boaz, and, and it's, it's amazing. And there's something else that I see in the book of Ruth that I want to share with you, and it doesn't really have to do with just our verses tonight, but that's okay. Um, and, and it's a theme that goes throughout the book of Ruth. And it's one of those things for me that I read it and I saw it and I thought about it and I was like, oh my gosh, God, like this is exactly what you've done in my life. And it was super, super cool. And this is the theme. You see through Ruth God's hand, right? You see his providence. You see how he's just working all this stuff together. And, and Boaz, they had no idea, right, what was happening through their relationship. It was pretty cool. But you see how God's working all this together. And, and this is what I want you to see in that. God uses circumstances, uses situations, sometimes tragedies, to bring about the right relationships in our life. He he does it to bring about the right relationships in our life. And I read that and it hit me like, God, this is how this is the biggest way I've seen you work in my life. And this isn't the only way he works, right? Like sometimes we just learn a lesson just from learning a lesson or or you know he's God. He can do whatever he wants to get his point across. But oftentimes, man, and in my life, he has brought the right relationships at the right time. And it's all over Ruth. I mean, the famine hits the land. So Elimelech and and Naomi, they bounce to Moab, right? While they're in Moab, Moab, that's where they meet Ruth. 
and then Ruth and their son get together and they get married. And then tragedy strikes, right? Another circumstance has happened, uh, something else happens, and, and Ruth and Naomi lose husbands. And so that circumstance moves them back to Judah, where Ruth meets Boaz, and then the Hallmark story takes place, right? It's, it's, just, it's all over Ruth. And what I want to show you tonight, and, and I just want to share a little bit about my life and some stories with you. Um, what I want to share tonight is, you know, we, we, we read the Bible and we read the story of, of Ruth and we're like, yo, that was really cool. God, I see how you were working stuff together. But man, that was a long time ago, right? Like, God, do you still do stuff like that? Like, do you still work like that? Do you still, and it's hard when we're in the middle of it, right, to think about it like that. But I want to just show you an example and uh, prove you wrong if you doubt that because he does do this. Um, so the, the first picture right here, um, this is me. And my boy Matt is in the middle in the tan suit. And then my homie on the right is Sean Ford. And, uh, and then there's CG and Sean at the wedding. Uh, yes, as I'm walking down the aisle, those are the pants that were ripped from a few months ago. And it's all stitched up in the back. Um, but I got to do my brother Matt's wedding uh, a few months ago. And, and, man, these two dudes right here are two of my best friends in the world. And God sent them to me when I desperately needed them. And, and he sent them to me at a time in my life. And y'all know some of y'all older kids and older people know how it is. Like when you got out of high school and you get to college and you're just trying to figure out what on earth you're trying to do with your life, right? Like some of y'all are there right now, you know what I'm saying? But, but I was just in this season where I just, I didn't know what I was doing. And, and I grew up in church and I had a lot of Christian friends. But as we got out of high school, everybody kind of went their separate ways. And some got married, some had kids, some started working, some went to college. And, and I found myself with a lot of really good friends, but not friends that were like really following Jesus. And that is crucial in, that, in those years of life, right? You need people who are going through what you're going through with the same Christian perspective that are still following after Jesus. And I didn't have that. And that was hard. And it, and it left me lost. It really was a tough season for me, a hard time for me, and, and I was dealing with a lot of depression, and, and I felt alone, and just, I didn't know what I was doing, and I didn't even really know, like, if somebody could relate to me, and, and I was at Glendale Community College, shout out to the gauchos, <laughs> taking, like, algebra, just like, what am I doing with my life, you know what I'm saying, and, and, I, and I get to the end of that, <laughs> I get to the end of that uh, associate's degree, and didn't really have a plan, and my mom kept seeing these Grand Canyon commercials, and she's like, hey, every time this comes on the screen, I just feel like you're supposed to go there. And, like, this is a lesson in itself. Just listen to your mom. You know what I'm saying? Like, if she tells you to do something, just do it, because they just got stuff. They know things. Um, and so I was like, all right. So I looked in it, and they had a sports management degree, and I thought that sounded fun. So I was like, let's roll. So I'm, I found myself at, at GCU, and at GCU, you got to take Christian worldview. And um, I, I had got my associate's degree my friend Sean had just got his degree as well, and we both found ourselves in this Christian worldview class. And um, I don't know why we did this, because we were, like, in college. Um, but we're sitting in class, and they grouped us off to do, like, uh, icebreaker activities. Like, we were, like, six or something. Like, I don't know why they made us do that. And everybody had to go around the circle and say what their favorite food was. And, and, and so we do that. And um, right now, my favorite food is Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Uh, but back then, back then, it was uh, biscuits and gravy. So it came to my turn, and I was like, biscuits and gravy, that's my favorite food. And Sean goes, dude, no way. That's my favorite food. 
And that was it. Like, he became my best friend, like, pretty much in that moment. Like, dudes, we don't need much, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> We're just like, but, but that, that's really how I met Sean, and that's really how we became friends. We met in Christian Worldview, and we both like biscuits and gravy. And, and, and so Sean just, he, he begins to be my friend, and we're hanging out, and he gets an intramural football team together. That's where I meet Matt. And, and I just begin to hang around these dudes and be with these guys. And, and they were people who were very similar to me, going through the same stages of life, trying to follow Jesus, trying to figure it out. And I was in desperate need of that, in desperate need of that. And, and, and this, this is no lie. When I didn't know what to do, and I was, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. I, I became a youth pastor all of a sudden just to like be an interim for a little bit and, and, and trying to figure it out. And, and Sean and Matt would just pray for me. And they would ask me questions like, I know you want to do this, but like, what does God want you to do? What is he asking you to do? What is he leading you to do? And without, in all honesty, without those conversations, without those prayers, without those two dudes, I don't think I would be in ministry today. Like that's how impactful these two have been for me. And, and they've helped out at this church. Matt has helped with events. Sean has come to camp with us. And, and it was just two dudes that God sent my way because of circumstances. And, and he, he brought us together and we were able to help each other um, grow and, and keep each other on the right track. And, and it was just, I desperately needed it. You know what I'm saying? I desperately needed it. And, and, and so I'm just so thankful that God sent those two dudes my way because um, I needed them. And the next story, uh, don't judge this picture, please is um that's me and claire grace uh and there is yellow paint all up in my hair because i was supposed to be freddie from scooby-doo we were at camp i get a little wild at camp so don't judge me on that um but but this is is me and cg and, and i wanted to share a little bit of our story and um just to show you how cool god is so i was in that stage of life um and and like i said i, I was dealing with just a lot of depression and lostness, didn't know where to go, what to do. And, and I found myself one evening, well, one evening, it was like three in the morning, just on my floor, just praying, like, God, I'm done. I need a break. I, got, I, I just felt like I needed to get out of Arizona. And, and so I prayed that prayer. And the next day, I was sitting on my couch watching uh, some NBA playoffs. And I get a phone call from a family friend named Rachel Patton. And she called me and she said, hey, I'm, I'm working a summer camp in New Mexico. I need some help. Would you be willing to come out and help me for the summer? And I kid you not, I looked up at the ceiling and I was like, I'm in, right? And she's like, you need more details? I said, nope, you don't know. <laughs> you don't know what just happened to me. Um, and my mom, had, she had mentioned it to me a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I got this call and I was in. And, and like a day after that, I had an interview. And a few days after that, I packed up my mom's Volkswagen Jetta and drove to New Mexico. And I had just gotten a promotion at my job a few weeks before that, quit, because <laughs> I knew this is what God wanted me to do. And, and so I took off to New Mexico and, and I, I arrived at this old kind of smelly cabin late at night and I walked in and there was three people sitting on a couch and they were sitting like really close to each other watching Lego Batman on a laptop. And I just kind of took a moment and looked around and I was like, what did I just do? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, what on earth is going on? And, uh, and but I said, I'm here. I'm all in now. I don't have a job to go back to, so I got to get paid. Um, so I spend the night there, and, and, and then the next day, everybody else from the team started arriving, and, and I literally remember the first time I ever 
uh, saw my wife. And I remember the dress she had on, floral, has like burnt orange or something, reddish, something like that. Um, but I saw her walk in, and I saw my future mother-in-law walk in. I saw my, my aunt walk in, shout out to Shushu, and uh, my cousin Emma, and they walked in. And, and I remember the first time I ever saw them. And listen, th- this, is a, this is a lesson in timing young people. God is never late, and he's never early. That summer, Claire Grace and I were just friends because I was not a man yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was an idiot, and that's okay. But God protected that. He protected his plan in that. And in that summer, we hung out, and we were just friends, and we had a great friendship, and we both went our separate ways after that summer. She went back to Mississippi. I came back here to AZ, and that was it. And so I go back to GCU, and um, I get a phone call early on from Fuge, and they, they asked me to be a rec director the next summer, at their camp, and I'll be on their leadership team. And I said no, because I wanted to pursue some other things, some stuff with the, the Suns and Nike. And, and, and I just had these dreams and aspirations for myself that I didn't want uh, anything else to get in the way. And so, I, and so I'm pursuing those things, um, going those things. And, and this is why I couldn't separate uh, these two stories, because Sean and Matt, that next year, Matt was my neighbor, and Sean lived down the hall. And I was with those dudes like 24-7, right? And, and we were just going to Bible studies and we were growing and learning together and they were helping me. And, and that's when I became a youth pastor and, and they kind of just kept me on track. And so the first semester, um, which would have been the fall of 2016, um, 2017, around January, I was a youth pastor and I thought, well, um, Fuge called me and they said they needed more people. So I was like, all right, like I'm in. And, and so they put me on the California team. So then that summer of 2017, I was going to graduate from GCU, and I was pumped because I was going to spend my summer in California, right? Like, I was real excited. And so I go to this big event that they have, and I'm with my California team, meeting them, doing all this stuff, getting prepped and ready to go to California. And I graduate from GCU, and I'll never forget this. I was sitting outside in the foyer with, uh, with Holly, if y'all know Holly, shout out to Holly. And I got a call from Fuge, and they said, yo, we traded you to the Mississippi team. And I'm like bummed. I'm like bummed. I'm like, what? Like, I'm about to go. I had a whole summer in California, and now I got to go to Mississippi. Like, I don't know what's in Mississippi. Um, and then, but, but there I went off to Mississippi and found out CG was there. And um, I was still a little bit of an idiot back then, but I was getting out of it. And by the end of that summer, uh, we just knew we were supposed to marry each other. And when they say when you know, you know. Like, we just knew. That's the only way I could describe it. And you don't know until you know. You know what I'm saying? So when you know, you know, then you know. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all that have been there before. Um, and, and that's it. And, and, and you, can, you can listen to these stories and, and think they're just coincidences or it just happened to be like that. Like, dude, I can't look at my life and not see God's hand. I, I can't do it. I just, I think about the way he protected me and guided me, the way he comforted me and even let me, let me stumble and learn and grow. And he just, he never gave up on me. And, and I see, and I look back and I see the people that he brought to me and the relationships that he brought to me. And without those three people I've talked about tonight, I don't know where I would be or who I would be. But God, he just, he has a plan. And he's not done working, man. He's not done working. Christians, we got to stop being so defeated because God's not defeated. He's not done working. He has a plan for your life. Trust him. Keep moving forward. 
Keep going. He's proud of you. He loves you. He's not giving up on you, so don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on yourself, man. God has a plan, and it's wonderful. It's wonderful. And, and I, what I want us to walk away with tonight is that, but also, like, I think God wants to use us in other people's lives. I mean, Sean, Matt, and CG, like, they didn't look at me like, oh, that dude needs a lot of help. Like, let's help them, help him, right? Like, they were just my friends. They were just my friends. They just loved me and helped me and hung out with me and just, and then look what God did through those small moments. The sm- talking about biscuits and gravy. You know what I'm talking about? And, and just don't take advantage of those small moments, man. Don't take advantage of, of, of the moments you get with people. Pay attention. Like, I just remember when I got to Mississippi, I think one of the first things CG asked me was what song she wanted me to play on the stereo. And I said, return to the Mac, baby. Like, that's my jam. Like, I remember those moments, and they were so small, but I look back on them now, and I'm just like, God, you're so cool. You're so amazing. Right? So just don't take advantage of those little moments. Don't take them for granted. Live them with intentionality and with love, and God will do amazing things through them. And he wants to use you to be just incredible influences on the lives of people around you. And like I said, it's small moments, right? So don't, it's this small, everybody can do it. Everybody can do it. And I'm done talking, but I wanted to just share with you one more verse because it's just amazing. If you think you can't do it, I'm going to prove you wrong. Um, this is Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We got everything. We got everything we need. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous, marvelous, marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. Y'all not ready for this? These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature. He has enabled you to share in his divine nature. Man, if you are a follower of Christ, if you accepted Christ, you have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you, but it's Christ in you. It's unbelievable. And you can escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. You can do it, man. You can do it. Small moments, pay attention. And this is what it really comes down to, and and I'm done. Just love people. Just love them. Just care about them. Pay attention to them. Let them know that they matter. Just, just love people and watch what God does. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for your grace. God, I thank you for um, just the many ways you work in our lives. And, and, and I pray, Father, that, that God, tonight, whether it was through Ruth or through some of the stories I shared, God, that, that people would come to remember and realize that you aren't done working that, Father, you are still alive, that you're not defeated. But God, you, want, you got wonderful plans for us. you got wonderful plans for us. And I pray that we could rest in that, that we would believe in that, that we would trust in that, that, God, you would teach us to live from grace and not towards it. Father, and help us, help us to know the verse we just read in Second Peter, that we got everything we need because we have you, because we have you. All we got to do is say yes. All we got to do is say yes. So God, I pray that as we leave this place tonight, God, we would go out more in love with you. We'd go out seeking you more. Father, we would go out 
looking to take advantage of every small moment that you give us because those small moments turn into big moments. And God, we ask this in your Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.